0: world and welcome back to another episode of the let's talk audio podcast Woohoo! so on today's episode we have the austin-based sound engineer who does consulting front of house and production management just to name a few of her jobs while also being the sound girls austin chapter leader on today's episode we have miss willa snow so willa and I had a fantastic conversation. We talked about things related to having your own business, what it looks like running your business. We're also talking about just being a sound engineer in the world and what that looks like, especially as females. And we had a great time. It was a lot of fun. I hope that you guys, as always really enjoyed this episode. If you do, please don't forget to leave a review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, because that is always incredibly helpful for the show. If you want to stay in contact with me, you can also find me on Instagram at let's talk audio podcast. If you want to, you can also check us out on the website at, beatsinabottle.com without further ado let's get into the episode with miss willis snow Lastly, before I forget, um, we actually started having a conversation a little bit before we hit it record for the uh, purpose of the interview. So there was a question that was stated because we were talking about business and the significance of knowing business and understanding business. And at the time, um, I was growing and learning in that knowledge as well as her. And so we were talking, um, about accounting in particular and taking classes. And so the question that was stated was, How does accounting help uh, in live sound? So that's kind of where the conversation starts for you guys. Um, And so I just want to give you guys a heads up. And now we'll get into the episode.
1: So the question was, how can accounting help you in life? Sound so? Their accounting comes in handy in so many different ways. Um, first off, it's it's a business management skill. Um, so if you are if you do decide to operate independently and have your own business, like like for example, for for me, I could have Willis No Audio, and that's my LLC or whatever. I need to do some more research on the laws. Um, and I think you talked about this a little bit with the Crosspix Studio uh, folks. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when you start your own business, um, having that accounting knowledge, just some like, some basic business management, not only helps with having a business, but also it, it's good financial planning. Uh, because we are in a gig economy, uh, knowing how to properly manage your your money, um, monitor your finances, knowing how to set up a Roth IRA, which is a a, a retirement fund for an independent person. That um, and there's a lot of really cool things about that. Um, and then, additionally, uh, with live sound specifically, uh, we wear multiple hats. And if you choose to go the front of house engineer route, uh, especially in the touring business, um, when you're first starting out, you're going to wear multiple hats at the same time. And one of the more common pairings is the front of house and tour manager. The tour manager handles the books. Mm. The tour manager, so. So they not only facilitate getting the artist to and from, they also settle at the end of the night, and they have to check on the ticket sales. And so after the artist is in bed, and you know we are ready to go in the morning, you are still awake and you're settling the accounts and categorizing your expenses. Um, and so expense tracking is extremely important not only for when you you as an independent person because of uh, you can write off your tax. Right, right off your expenses on your taxes, or if you get booked by a larger company that may pay, cover your expenses for a business trip, that's just a really good practice to have is to log your receipts. You have to do that for the artist. And you report all of that back to the management company.
0: Man, see, I knew about the personal side of that in terms of taking care of yourself as an independent. Did not know about that as a touring person, that that's like a common parent. That's really interesting um, yeah, yeah, I, I started doing more research and that's when I started coming across these things. And I remember being like, why do I need to know any of this? And then I'm like finding out why I needed to know more about these things. And so now it makes a little bit more sense um, trying to put it all together. But just in general though, like all of this has been interesting in the sense of finding out how things that you didn't realize certain things went together in certain parents. That was a weird sentence, but learning that has been fun because I, I did have to start my own business with the podcast. I actually had to go through and do, um, to separate that out because uh, of different issues that I came across with having a podcast. Yeah, And so I didn't realize, I didn't like in my head, I was like, oh, it'll just be the same and things will just flow and it'll be fine. And then I talked to um, a CPA and then I talked to like a business business manager, uh, advisor, business advisor, that's the title. And I was like, okay, I want to make sure I'm doing this right because up until last year. My mom did my taxes for me. She did everything for me. I just Mm -hmm, turned mm -hmm. in the stuff and she made it work. Yeah. Which is (laughs) great when you. That's really nice. (laughs) Like when you have that built in, it's awesome. However, (laughs) she has declared (laughs) that my stuff got too complicated (laughs) and that she felt like. I needed to branch out on my own so that way um, I could really understand what was going on and to get somebody who knew more about the industry that I was in. Because, yeah, she could do it and she could research it and she can make that sort of thing happen. But her biggest thing was that she's not, um, like, it's not her expertise level to know the ins and outs of the audio industry or, or gig economy and stuff like that. Like, she knows gig economy, she doesn't know audio industry specific. So when I'd be talking about certain things I wanted to do, she's like, I don't know how to advise you on this because I don't know what goes into that in its entirety. So I've been like, okay, I gotta go find somebody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cause you know, I don't know. I mean, you can only read so many books to try to figure it out. And so I finally found somebody who knew it and they've really been like breaking it down for me. I've been like, okay. So now I, I know that Personally, I'm taken care of. And in the entity that is my business, I'm taking care of. But I didn't know how that was going to transfer over to like useful skills for live sound. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's super handy. It's just good practical knowledge. And you'd be surprised at how, uh, how useful just basic financial management comes into play just throughout general day-to-day life, not only in our industry, but in anything, really. Yeah.
0: So do you... I always call you, like, I don't think I've ever told you this to your face, so I hope this isn't rude. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I always called you, like, my uh, my multifaceted friend, because you were, like, so involved in so many different things, and I always thought that that was, like, probably like one of my favorite things about you. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this, but I'm also doing this, and I'm doing that, and you'd have all this knowledge about all these different things that, like, the rest of us were, like... We didn't even know we needed to know that yet. <laughs> well thanks. And, <laughs> so okay. First off, let's just start off with your introduction. Okay. Cause I'm about you introduce yourself to the world? Uh, that is listening to this podcast.
1: Hello listeners. How are you? <laughs> Sorry, I did not help myself. I've got I've got a big old podcast radio mic sticking in my face. I couldn't help but turn on the midnight radio voice. Hi. Hi, everybody. Uh, <laughs> My, <laughs>
0: of course, I know I'm super jealous of that podcast, Mike, because I've been wanting one for so long. And then I finally saved enough money to buy it, and then yeah. everybody wanted them, and I was like, "Where are all these people who wanted this pod, mic? Like a year ago when I was trying to save the money for the yep. mic,
1: everybody wants to listen to podcast. Yeah, I was like,
0: nobody wanted it. Where were you, people?
1: <laughs> Man, I ran. Read- I rented this. I've rented this from Rock and Roll Rentals. Yeah. So y'all, if you're in Austin, Texas, if you are in Austin, Texas, Rock and Roll Rentals, they can help you with all of your audio needs. And I rented this mic and the cables and an interface from them. Nice. And I have it on a monthly contract. So I I don't own this. This is theirs. But. I just pay them money to let me use it. Um, But yeah, so uh, anyways, hi, everybody. I'm Willa. My name is Willa Snow. I'm a live audio engineer in Austin, Texas, and the chapter head for the Austin chapter of SoundGirls.org.
0: What do you do? What's your life like?
1: Well, it's busy. When it's not coronavirus, it's busy. I have nine jobs, typically, uh, and that's just my normal jobs, and then I also do consulting, and... Uh, So primarily, I'm a live sound engineer. I work in several different clubs and venues in Austin. And I also uh, I do some production management. And for three local artists in town, uh, they're Corbella, Dossie and Leyline. They're all fantastic female artists. And y'all should check them out or at least female fronted. They're absolutely incredible. And yeah, that's what I do. (laughs) I do
0: sound. I do sound things. Sound and production. <laughs> do something. So let me get this straight. You are a production manager, you do live sound, and you consult. Those are the three hats that you officially wear in the world.
1: Officially, yes. Oh, I also do some, uh, some editing for podcasts and uh, I do some recorded mixing as well, a little bit.
0: See, and and you wonder why I called you multifaceted. That's, this is why, okay, people, this is why. <laughs> well, going back
1: uh, to financial terms, it's good to diversify your portfolio so that you have multiple income streams. My uh, A friend of mine likes to describe it as being a spider. So when you are in this sort of industry, it's good to have eight legs or multiple legs, multiple fingers and multiple pots so that if one drops out, you still have seven other things that are supporting you. So you're not completely just like bottoming out. Um, so and plus for me, I just get bored. I get bored easy. So like having something new to work on all the time kind of keeps me interested and on my toes and I don't get burned out as easy. And I'm always kind of excited about what I do because I love what I do so much. I the one of the things that I fear is getting burned out and bored. I hate that feeling. So like and honestly, if you're getting bored, you're not doing it right. So <laughs> got to try something new. Oh, I also do social media management. <laughs> I do I do a little bit of everything.
0: <laughs> well, it's like, uh, by the way, also there's other things that I do. Oh yeah, I've listed all the things. Oh yeah, there's a, I, one other thing. Like I said, I just I get
1: bored and I and I'm interested in multiple things. So I mean, why not find ways to monetize it and collaborate with other people in different in different ways? It just, you know, keeps you keeps you sharp, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's partly why I became a substitute teacher. People are like, why'd you do that? honestly, I like kids. I mean, I do like they're like high schoolers are a hoop Mm -hmm. to me. I think they're hilarious. (laughs) I love being around them. There's something fun about watching their little brains happen that I was just like, subbing just makes perfect sense. Uh, starting a podcast made perfect sense. You know, that's a different muscles, different thing to flex and then doing live sound. Like those are three, not necessarily connected things, but it was like, yeah but otherwise I just sit at the house and I stare at the wall mm-hmm. yeah and it's like watching paint dry yeah
1: exactly all the time. exactly
0: <laughs> so tell me this how how did you get into audio like what's your history how did you end up being in this place that you are with basically nine jobs <laughs> <all the time? laughs>
1: well I mean the nine jobs thing is just kind of like out of necessity because in Austin the culture is like they there's a giant workforce of production people, and there are a there are at least a thousand venues that are in constant operation normally in Austin, and th- there are main like house people, um, but they'll need somebody to cover them every now and then. And in most venues, they operate where they have a booker who books either the talent or the production or both. And they just sort of manage a roster of people and they send out the dates at the beginning of the month and they say who's available. And you just kind of take what you can. You let them know when you're available and you may get those dates, you might not, but it's on a guarantee. And then eventually they'll get back to you and they say, okay, you're taking this. And then this person's taking that. And this one, this person's taking these. And so it, it's uh, because you can't really get consistent work any one place, you have to get multiple. So I got very good at. Google Calendar. And uh, I definitely need more colors. And so Google, if you hear this, give me more colors because I it's, there's not enough color coding going on here, man. Come on. But so anyway, so how I got into all of this, I started playing music when I was in middle school. I've been singing my whole life. And I started gigging out when I was... My sh- first show was just before my 15th birthday... So I was playing in like tiny little broken venues uh, where I grew up in Silicon Valley and just playing music and writing all the time. And uh, I intended to go to music school to become a performer. And I did get my degree in contemporary music from a school in New Mexico. And I got there with the intention of being a singer-songwriter. And sophomore year, it was required for my degree to take a class in recording. And I just instantly fell in love with it. There were, were so many different variables that you could play with it. I mean, just utilizing microphones and the studio as an instrument within itself. It just, I just, it, it just inspired me and it locked locked on with just everything that I do because it's, it's more than just your creative. It's also technical. And it's so it's, it was stretching out my brain and giving me just new ideas and the fact that just changing out a microphone drastically changes the sound or where you place that microphone how that changes things and then when you process that audio how gain structure affects things which preamps you're using how your effects work uh, just like the science of EQ and compression like all of it it's just it's so cool and there are so many different ways that you can you can make things happen and just create sonic art. And I loved that. And I just instantly gravitated towards it and started booking more time in the studio than anybody else in my class. And I started interning at recording studios all over my community. And then I got I got an internship at a radio station in Santa Fe. And that summer, I was thinking to myself that I really like this whole like recording thing. This is really neat. Maybe this is something I could do. So I decided to do some research and see if there were any people I could look up to, people I could model myself after. Cause there were a lot of female artists around and, um, at the time. Like Katie Tunstall was my everything. She still is, but like like she was literally my everything. Like, this is who I want to be. Like <laughs> Katie Tunstall is the reason I started playing music and writing. And she shaped, yeah, and she shaped the way I was playing. Wow. Um, just listening to her music. A lot of my style came from her. So I was like okay so who can I model myself after in this side of the industry. So that so I googled you know the typical search of women in audio, women in recording. And that's when I found out we make up less than 5% and I decided that was bullshit and I I looked at that I'm like all right cool I guess I'm going to be one now because I hate that number. So I'm just going to add to it. <laughs> <laughs> <And> coincidentally, <laughs> that was the same year that uh, Soundgirls was founded by Michelle Sobulcich Petinato and Carrie Kyes. So I I was one of their first members. At least I like to think I was one of their first members. <laughs> uh, that was like <laughs> their first year, and um, so that kind of like brought me into that community there. And I continued to go down the audio production route in terms of studio recording and editing. And I really loved that. I received a lot of wonderful mentorship from, from studios all over my community and also in Minneapolis. I did a summer there as well. And after college, I took a break and worked on a farm for nine months in California. And Because, you know, like you do. Uh, and then <laughs> I got an offer from a friend of mine who lived here in Austin and she had a band. And they had a bunch of showcases for South by Southwest. And this was in 2016. And she hit me up and she said, Hey, you do audio, right? Uh, We have a band. We have stuff and we need some help. Do you want to come out and be like our roadie for the week? And we'll pay you 10 bucks an hour. And you can come crash in my guest room. It'll be fun. And I had never been to Austin before. So I said, sure. And I took time off of work and I came out to Austin and I instantly loved the way the city felt. And being um, being with the band in a, in a live... I had never really worked in live sound before. I'd only performed. So and it, live sound itself was was terrifying to me. And I hated it. I really despised it. But I loved working with the band and getting them on and off stage and trying to keep them on time and coordinating with promoters and bookers and the house engineers that we were working with and helping them like, get the right sound for my talent. So that kind of like inspired me in, in towards looking at the tour management aspect of things. Still had no idea I was going to be a live sound engineer. Because like, no, why would I do that? Uh, but anyway, so I liked that experience so much that I decided like, okay, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to move to Austin. I like it here. And I have family here. So why not? So I packed up and <laughs> left my farm job and I moved here. <laughs> and uh, I got a job accidentally... Like completely unintentionally. I had no idea that I was going to be hired. It was like the weirdest interview process ever. It was less like... Hey, like, let's have a formal interview where you submit a resume and you wear like a sport coat and you sit across from me and you answer questions. Like, what are your greatest weaknesses? It was completely informal, like, hey, you work for us now, kind of deal. But anyway, I got a job at a production company. And sorry, this is kind of ambly, but anyway, I got a job.
0: No, at- you're good. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is great.
1: Yeah. And I, I worked for them as sort of like an A2 general audio tech. And uh, it was in live sound. And It was an accident. I totally did. I was still trying to be in the studios. And I had reached out to some studios here in town. um, But there wasn't too much going on. And then I just kind of got this job somehow (laughs) at the production company. And uh, they taught me how to set up a PA system, how to ring it out, uh, what a crossover was. I hadn't been taught that. Um, Like, Basically, like I knew my placement really well. Uh, and I had some decent cable management. But outside, And I knew how to set up a DAW and a recording kind of thing. But I didn't have any real firm foundation in terms of signal flow. And if you had asked me before that job in college, if you had asked me to build a PA, I wouldn't be able to do it. I had no idea. So that job taught me a lot. And I worked with them for a year before I left them and started working at at Rock and Roll Rentals, which we talked about earlier, I ended up working for them um, for a year as well. And while I was there, I started contracting. because uh, they knew my the customer base and my manager knew that I knew how to do some live sound. And people would come in and ask my manager, hey, do you know anybody that can run sound? I need somebody tonight. And my manager would be like, hey Willie, you get off at seven. You want to go <laughs> run sound at this club? And at first I was like, uh no, because I didn't want I still hate it. Even though I had been working sort of in it for like A year, I still hated it. It was still loud and terrifying and scary, and like everything's happening all at once, and it's chaos, and there's no organization, it's terrible. Uh so (laughs) I was still like, nah, I I, no, 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 I do not want to do this. But I kept getting offers, and so eventually I was like, you know what? I keep getting offers for this work. Why don't we try it and see how we feel? So, my first jobs, so I was working full time at Rock and Roll Reynolds. And then I started taking some jobs on the weekend. So I would run sound in a club uh, on Fridays and Saturdays, and then on Sunday morning, I would run sound for a church. And just kind of just started trying it out. And I found I started to learn more and started to gain some more confidence and started to realize like, hey, I actually really like this. This is kind of neat. And as my foundational knowledge grew, I started to seek out some teachers and I found someone here in Austin who very kindly gave me a lot of his time and gave me some like foundational because um, I I mean, I was taught like the, how to build a system at the production company, but I wasn't really taught how to operate it. So I had to kind of figure that out on my own and remember like from the recording studio what you're supposed to do. And that wasn't really working. So I found some live engineer friends and they gave me some, uh, some tips and just, they helped me clarify how to properly manage gain structure, uh, different ways that you can EQ things and how you're supposed to think about EQ and, you know, basics of compression. So, and I, I honestly didn't even touch an effects rack this entire time. Cause my, my thought was I need to get my foundational knowledge solid before I even move on to the fancy shit. So like, I just started working and learning, and reaching out to people. And while and while I was holding down a uh, forty-hour job, so uh, eventually I got kind of bored, and I was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. I need to do production. I, I'm tired of just being in retail. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to branch out. And lo and behold, that day <laughs> I made that revelation. One of my customers. Uh, who was a technical director of a, a choir called Conspirare, he came in one, one day and he's like, hey, you do sound. Are you looking for production work by chance? And I'm like, why, yes, I am, actually. But <laughs> he should ask. And uh, they needed some extra help. And they were going to go on tour. And they said, hey, you want to go on tour? And I said, sure. And it, it wasn't in a firm audio position. It was like a, they called it the technical audio associate. So I would help out every now and then, but I was mostly an assistant stage manager. And that was a really wonderful experience. I, I toured for, a, uh, I worked with them for about three months and I helped them set up their sound and lights for like small fundraising events. And then for the tours, we toured for three weeks together. Um, not, all to, uh not all at once we did like a one week run and then a two week run and uh I learned a lot about touring life and what what that's like and and um yeah that it was such a great learning experience and uh then after I left them I started working at uh my main job bass concert hall and yeah, just continued to work and hustle and, uh, and just, and, you know, I started adding more and more clubs. And, uh, I had to leave Rock and Roll Reynolds to go on tour, unfortunately. And I miss them every day. That was a great job. But anyway, yeah, so the tour was really great. And because I had to leave Rock and Roll Rentals, I was forced to find other employment. So I started working even more and reaching out and networking a lot more. And that's a big thing. You have to network your ass off. Um, in order to kind of you know gain like some sort of regular employment in regular and big fat quotation marks um, <laughs> because it's not regular it's not consistent but like there is, but weirdly there is a sort of pattern and consistency within it and so once you start like showing up like once you get that get your foot in the door and you start showing up and doing a good job and being professional um, people like that and then you start getting referrals and I started being referred and getting more clubs and events. and yeah, so it it kind of just slowly worked itself out within about six months and I was able to get some uh, some employment and I started working in larger venues. Uh, and then I started connecting with artists and working with them. And yeah, it just kind of slowly built up from there. Uh, and then this year I got my first tour, like tour offers. Uh, not at, really yeah not as a stage manager but as a front of house engineer and tour manager um, which was exactly what i wanted for this year and i had two and a half lined up and then the rona happened and sadly they went away uh, <laughs> for now for now and like we're, we're all just like all of us are just kind of like well we tried And we were really hopeful that we would still be able to pull it off. But unfortunately, things just got so bad so fast that, you know, they're just temporarily uh, indefinitely postponed. So (laughs) there's no contradiction in that statement whatsoever. It's fine. No, no. No, it's okay. It's fine. That that is how I have become me.
0: (laughs) That is how I've ended up in this place. Thank yep. you, thank you. That is um, <clears throat> that is awesome. First off, uh, that is an amazing story. Oh, glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I <laughs> I did. I like it because you really showed the work ethic that goes into it. I think a lot of times, um, especially when I've done like different like panels and just different talks with people who want to go into audio. And, and they seem to have this feeling of like, it's just going to show up and it's just going to happen. And I think like, I think even at one point I had that idea because, you know, I just didn't know I grew up with church audio, like that stuff just happened. I didn't seek audio with church. Church just appeared one day. And then all of a sudden I was doing audio in it. And so I think like, depending on what you're, uh, introduction into audio is you don't realize how much hustle there is and how often you have to go through different phases until you get to the place that you actually want to be um and Sometimes then hopefully the rona yeah happen
1: <laughs> yeah and the interesting thing is like you have i had no idea that this is what i wanted yeah i had zero idea it just kind of kept happening and May I get a little like spiritual with you? Is that okay? You can totally be spiritual. Okay, great. So <laughs> I'm a wee bit of a hippie and um, I definitely put out my my feelers to the ether and I have little like spiritual thingies that I draw on that give me comfort and courage. And they uh I, I just had a gut feeling that I needed to go in this direction. So with that first job with that production company, which I never intended to ever have such a job until then, I just I had a gut feeling that said, you need to do this. So I did the thing. And I worked with them for a while and then I had changed and then and I took a minute to kind of recover from that experience. And then those offers kept coming up. And it was like, okay, so I'm getting all of these offers consistently weekly and i'm refusing them maybe i should just try it and um and i just something said like hey just just do it just fucking do it damn it and so i i did uh, i tried it and it was really really scary at first um cuz you know you're just you're so afraid of failing or you're so afraid of like for me i was afraid of looking bad um and i had a lot of like really negative uh Di- internal dialogue at the time. And, uh, it, and, you know, we all kind of deal with that in our own ways. Uh, so I had to kind of fight against that and figure out, like, no, actually, I kind of do love this and this is kind of cool. And then just sort of embracing the opportunity to learn and the humility to be like, okay, I am going to mess up. I am going to fail, but that's okay because you can't learn if you don't fail. If you're not failing, you're not learning anything. You're not trying anything new. You're not, reaching your full potential or whatever it is. Um, so getting over the fear of failure um, is a consistent you know, journey and experience for everybody. Um, and I'm still kind of dealing with it all the time and trying to not you know, deal with the you know, fraud syndrome or whatever. Um, but also just embrace that. I, I love what I do so much. And that alone is enough to kind of propel me. You know, just I love it. I love what I do. And I love learning. And I love just everything about it. And you can't really know if you really like something unless you try everything, right? So at least that's what they say. (laughs) For me, that's how it is. I want to in like, I mean, I'm the kind of person like you sit down at a restaurant, I'm not going to like, read through the menu, find something like, Oh, I know I like that. So I'm just going to stick with that and not read the rest of the menu. I read the entire thing. And I compare everything and weigh options in my head.
0: That's all I, like, and that's kind of how. Oh my god! Like, it was, well, uh, oh my god! You just spoke to my heart, and people hate that about me no, like, because I can't not read the whole menu. To, What's the yeah, point? Exactly. What's the like, point? If you don't know, like,
1: like what all they have to offer. You don't know, like, if you want to try something new and have a new experience. So and. I mean, like food and music just kind of go hand in hand. Plus, I just love both very much, and I love to eat and I love to listen to music, so it all works out. And it's just—it's just like the perfect metaphor, really. Like you gotta try everything, just like because I mean, I wouldn't know that I like. So while I am super grateful for that stage management experience, I wouldn't have known that you know I don't really stage management really isn't for me. Um, like I can do it, and I'm and I'm good at it. It, but it is—it's not where my passion lies. And bless the the stage managers that are amazing, and and I am so grateful to them. And I will let them take the role, um. And I can do it. I would just I would rather not. And I wouldn't have known that unless I had tried. You know, so you just you got to try everything and just love all of it. Love the journey. Love the experience. Peace, love, flowers.
0: Sense. Um, <laughs> peace, love, and flowers. Um. <laughs> I love that um somehow okay so would you say that the way that you've been able to overcome having those different fears is because of the spiritual spirituality of it all or was it just sort of like you were just like like having that comfort was allowed you to be able to overcome that fear? Well the, the spiritual
1: thing just kind of helped me know that I had to do it and then I had to figure out ways to do it if that makes sense. So like, I was told I needed to. Okay. I felt I was, I was receiving a message that I needed to go through it. And so I was like, okay, well, if I have to do this, I need to figure out how. And from what worked for me is... So it, it took me a few months, but I started talking to other engineers. And I noticed, I noticed a, a pattern in everyone's stories that they all started young And oftentimes they had never touched a soundboard before and they were all completely terrible and they failed miserably multiple times and created painful experiences for the musicians on their stage and like had like really awful like go home and like have a shower beer experiences like all like consistently all the time. And it was but then eventually they failed enough that they started to learn. And they started to get good and they started to recognize what worked and what didn't and and learn how to troubleshoot and learned how to deal with, you know, dumpy clubs that have poorly cared for gear. How do you make it work? What do you do if you don't have a mic stand and you have 12 singers, you know, or like, what do you do if you only have three microphones and you have a full band that needs to be heard? Like, how do you get around that? And then also like just how what happens if a speaker fails just you you have to do it to learn it's a very kinetic learning experience very hands on and like you can read books and watch videos and you know talk about it and learn the theory as much as you want but really the only way that you're going to learn is if you do it and fail and then learn from that failure so i had to learn how to give myself that permission to fail and cuz i i didn't have that permission so i would go into a gig riddled with anxiety initially cuz i didn't want to fail. And I so (laughs) this is kind of kind of strange. But what worked for me is I would have what I like to call like an anti pep talk, you know, anti pep pep talk. So I would psych myself up to fail. I would I would pull up to the gig early. I would take a deep breath and be like, okay, let's have the absolute worst gig ever. Let's have the stage catch fire and people are going to throw things at you and the band is just going to yell at you and be mad and they're going to hate everything that you do and it's going to be great it's going to be fucking great <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare and it's going to be awesome and we're going to learn it's going to be great and so I, and it's kind of like like just thinking of like here are the absolute worst things that could happen in a dumpy club in austin texas here's what can happen okay, we're fine with this. Let's go. <laughs> and just like embracing the worst, And oh weirdly, God. that worked for me. Just like allowing myself to be like, all right, this is gonna be terrible. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be terrible. And it's gonna be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that just like having that conversation with myself of it's okay, you are going to fail that is human. But you are going to learn from it, you're gonna get better. So yeah, that that's How I moved forward, and you know, I still have some of those conversations with myself. You know, because we're not all perfect all the time, and that's something that's not really talked about too much. Is is embracing that failure and understanding that failure is just inevitable. You are going to fail, and you have to be okay with it. Otherwise, that the if you are afraid of failure so much that when it does happen, that it affects you, that can be detrimental. So you have to learn to experience the failure and then let it go and learn from it and move on instead of just dwelling on it cuz it can it can really cripple you.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think it's a great mantra. I mean everybody's got to find what works for them, right? Like yeah, and that that's what works for me. And that's and that's I think that's like half the battle, right? It's just figuring out who you are individually to know what's going to work for you, right? Because a lot of people, they don't necessarily know themselves in that way. And so they're still trying to figure out, okay, well, who am I? And how do I get to that place? And sometimes you got to try things like psyching yourself with with anti-pep talks. Um, Yeah. Or in my (laughs) case, you know, I... (laughs) She mildly panic on the inside, yeah. Have deer eyes, as everybody, yeah. which is okay. By the way, I didn't know that that was like a thing until he kept saying it to me. He's like, Why do you have like, he, I don't think he called him deer eyes, but that's what I substituted in my mind for how to sure, describe sure. it. And he was like, What is these eyes? And I was like, I don't know, it's just my way of processing. And he's like, So you're just listening, and I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay, because you look kind of terrified,
1: they're <laughs> just internally screaming, it's fine,
0: <laughs> it's fine, it's fine just sitting in the chair and the room is on fire it's fine <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's fine it's fine this is just the face that i have when everything is just fine everything is fine i just mm. it's fine <laughs> as like a side note this is just like or sure. has nothing to do with anything i was talking so i also interviewed danny yesterday danny parks uh yeah danny parks ah oh, i love her Literally- I do too. Oh my god, I had so much fun with her. I talked to her for like I talked to her for like 3 hours. I was like this is supposed to be like an hour and a half and I like looked up and I was like oh my god, it's it's been 3 hours. I need to let you go.
1: Danny is one of the most amazing people I know. I and I I know like I mean, I'll say that about literally everybody, but Danny is is seriously incredible. She's such an incredible person.
0: She is. I don't know. I just, I just thought of that. There's, there's nothing to do with that other than just to say that. Dad. Talk to Danny. <laughs> Talk to Danny. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. I'm so glad. I really, I really liked her. I was, I was, I was really bummed about South by being canceled. Cause I was really excited about getting in with her and like learning with her over there at the Belmont. I was like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. And then it was like, Don don don, <laughs> and then
1: Yeah, Danny and I have wanted to work together for a while. And like and like I mean we would we would we would just make such a great team, man. Like I want I want to be her A2. Like I seriously like I will be her A2 any day, rain or shine, you know, come you know, hell or high water. I will be Danny Park's A2. So uh, anyway, but so that was like an, like we weren't necessarily going to be working together, but we would be working the same event together. That was the first time we're basically we get to hang out for a week and get paid. How cool is that? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like
0: fist pumps to the air
1: <laughs> yeah like, we were so stoked and like and you know the belmont is just such a beautiful venue and like the the company that had contracted me to be the, be one of their production managers like that was that was like a, a a really great experience and they were a company based out of new york that uh, i i had worked with them before for um the last year for last south by uh we we met each other when i was the audio engineer for an event for sure and they are just such a pleasure to work with they're so organized and it's a female-owned company and the majority of the people who work for the company are non-male so it was such a refreshing experience to have all of these badass non-men like just owning it and it was very it was it was a different kind of communication style too like it was way more open um and like if you just needed to check in on something, it was cool. Um, and it was just very well thought out and organized. And it it was such a pleasure to work with them. Like, I mean, th- that, that's the only gig I've ever had where day one, they hand me a book of everyone I'm working with with their writers and their stage plots. So I knew exactly who was gonna be showing up when, who had what, what? and yeah, you know, like it was amazing. Oh my God, Tangela! It was like the best experience ever. So they, I w- when they uh, called me this year to help them out with this with this event, and help them read technical writers and make sure that everything was being met and and facilitate gear rentals and stage plots and make sure that you know all the language was being understood. I was so excited to work with them because they're such a pleasure to work with. Oh my God, they're such a great team, and I was really yeah. honored to just be included in that team. Yeah, and then then on top of that, I would get to hang out with Danny. Like how cool! Like there is no better world. Like awesome event, awesome people. You know, I get to hang out with my friends and get paid while I do it, and and make some really cool art and make some awesome events happen. Um, and so just, just sadly, that kind of that the rug got ripped out from underneath it, and it was so disappointment. We were just, it was very disappointing, and you know, it was just, it was really depressing. (laughs)
0: Like man. so fun. Yeah. Come on, well, I was, I, I didn't know that you were going to be there. So oh, yeah. I met Danny and well, Dylan, I met Dylan and then Dylan was like, you should get in with Danny. So then I met Danny and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is what I've been wanting in terms of like trying to like move, make moves. Cause making moves is always weird. You're always trying to figure out how to do it in an effective way. And different people will say something and then they're just kind of stringing you along. And, and so then I finally got there and I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be like the best South by of my life. And I was like, but I don't want to say that out loud. Cause I was afraid of jinxing it. Right. But now that it's over, it doesn't matter. Cause I can super like, there's no jinxing myself anymore but I didn't want to jinx myself at the time. I was like, I can't tell anybody how excited I am about this. Cause it might not. Cause I was just afraid that like, if I voiced it it was gonna like go bad. Not that I'm saying that because I didn't say anything, the global pandemic wouldn't have <laughs> happened like this. <laughs> it's like, it's like like me it's crazy now. There's nothing left to jinx, Angela. Like, <laughs> there's nothing left. <laughs> if all I did was speak it out loud, it would have happened, yep. obviously. Because I have that much power. No, this in is the your world. fault. <laughs> You're <sounds> like I got <laughs> canceled. <laughs> But then I learned that you were going to be on it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this just got so much better. It's gonna be- I was like, <laughs> two ladies that I like, and they're going to be existing in the same place, and I can just talk to them? Just cuz? Like, what? I'm yes, here for I this. Know. We'll just on the side. I next. was so excited. Like, I was yeah, like, I know. Me too. I don't think I've ever had that many lady engineers in one place at one time. Yeah. And even though you were like production manager, I was like, yeah, but she's still a sound engineer. Yeah. And that is like, unheard of to have well at least in my experience i've never had like three ladies at mm-hmm. three levels of production all in the same place at the same time like it just doesn't usually happen and so i was just like oh my god this is gonna be groundbreaking i was i was so excited Oh my god. yeah no it's so
1: rare it's so rare i mean you were the first other female to join the audio crew besides myself at bass concert hall and i mean i was just so excited like yes more estrogen hell yeah i'm not the only one (laughs) and like don't get me wrong i love my guys so so much they're my brothers and i like i have a big old squishy mushy gooey spot in my heart for them and i can't i would not be who i am without without my guys there but it's just it's just different it's different, when you, and I'm I'm yeah. used to being the only woman in the room. I usually am, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But it's like, it's, it's it's a little old. It's a little old, and I, it just it's just so nice and such a refreshing change when I work with mostly female. And like and I have never had a, a full female audio crew. It's always been a bunch of dudes and me, and so yeah, this event was really going to be like it was female managed it was female uh produced um it it was a lot of like non-male non-white acts which was really incredible and like it was just such a it was gonna be a really like high highly produced high class event, all done by women and you know and just it was gonna be so good Yeah. yeah and it's it's so rare to have that many women in a room in a technical capacity So that was, it was going to be absolutely incredible. And I remember when, um, South by got canceled it it, and having that opportunity just kind of like ripped away from me was just so disappointing because like, man, like that was going to be, it it was going to be monumental. It was going to be absolutely incredible. And I just, I really wanted that experience. And then suddenly that's gone for, and, you know, it was sad for so many reasons, um, and a a friend of mine she's a she plays bass in one of the bands that i work for and she was texting me and she has uh she has her own uh musician brand called primo the alien you need to listen to her if you love lady gaga and 80s dance vibes and Delorean's. uh (laughs) you need to listen to, to primo the alien she's absolutely incredible she's an engineer and vocalist and she produces her own music and writes it and she's absolutely amazing she's turning out a lot of really good quarantine content but anyway uh she texted me and she's like hey so what the fuck (laughs) what am i gonna do like because she lives for performance as we as we all do and she's like hey so is there could we do this like a, Could we do like a live streamed thing? And at the time, I thought she had, like maybe like a living room set up. Like, oh yeah, like we'll just borrow this this rig and we'll just plug it into a laptop. We'll do like a little thing. And she's like, all right, cool. Well, I've got twelve artists. Let's do this. I'm like, excuse me, you have what? <laughs> and like she's she's incredible. Like next thing I know, she's got like six artists that are heavy hitters in Austin and in, in the pop scene. And she's like, okay, so how do we do this? And I'm like, well, we're gonna need a crew. Hey Danny. <laughs> I hit up Danny. She was my first call. I'm like, hey, I need somebody to be my monitor engineer. I'm gonna make the broadcast. You wanna do this? And uh unfortunately she she wasn't able to collaborate at the time because the Belmont was still trying to have some shows. So she wasn't able to to do the thing. Yeah. But uh so I ended up assembling a, a technical team. So Primo handled the booking of the artists, and I handled getting the technical team. So I booked my friend Tori Batash to be my monitor engineer and I was going to mix the broadcast and my friend Alicia Smith was going to be the stage manager. And then Primo found uh, a female news anchor from uh, from View to come and interview the artists while we were doing changeovers. And we found a soundstage in Austin that was going to collaborate with us and PreSonus offered us a... A sponsorship, and we were gonna do this all on pre gear. It was gonna be super neat, and we had multiple camera angles planned out. It was gonna be so cool. and it was an all female production team. And so I, and we got close and like we had a really great lineup planned, and we had like production meetings with with everything very clearly laid out and detailed, and like we knew how we were gonna keep everybody socially distant. and it was gonna be super rad and shelter in place happened. <laughs>
0: so again take ah. taken away
1: and it was going to be so amazing like 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 non-male non-white bill with female with a female crew oh. and like sound girls was sponsoring presonus was sponsoring we were supporting backstage chats with women in music foundation and like it was going to be like just this amazing event and uh, then we couldn't do it and so i mean the good news is like it will happen it's just a matter of when 'Cause I mean the yes. the venue is paid for and you know and the venue is like you know so it, it will happen and we still have we still have the plans and everything and we had artwork and we have a website. It's just gonna be and like we we were thinking like let's do this right. Let's make this like the best planned and best executed event possible. And it's just gonna be us doing it. And then we can turn it into an income stream. And we were gonna treat it like a regular show where we would charge admission and have people, you know, pay tips to the artists and everyone would get paid. It may not be much at first, but it like we would get something from it. Right. And then from there people would see like we do a really good job. And then they would want us to you know, be that crew to be those the people that puts these events on and like really create yeah. a company from it. Just unfortunately, with everything that was happening with the pandemic, it just happened too quickly and we weren't able to jump on it in time. So,
0: damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you say that, but you're still out here doing live streams, though. I mean, you're still mixing live streams. You're still doing stuff with bands, and they're doing. I mean, that's. I mean, you're still broadcasting a little bit stuff, uh
1: no? not as much as i would like i've done a few for Leyline, and those were just oh my god i was so excited when they were like hey we have a live stream can you mix it i'm like yes for the love of god i need to <laughs> so yeah I, I was just i mean Leyline in general just as a listening experience they're so soul healing so if, if there's anything that ails you like just listen to ley line they like they just they soothe the soul they do and they're such a, a pleasure to work with and they're so they're they're such high caliber musicians um, and it's an honor to work with them and they they really just mix themselves I just make them a little louder <laughs> like all of my artists I'm very fortunate that all of my artists are massively talented and I don't really need to do much I just make them louder and I might put a little sparkle with the delay or something you know and just like make make it a little shiny but that's that's really all I do. And so Lane Line had uh, three live streams, I think. Well, I did one for them uh, a couple months ago. And then uh, just last week, we were going to do a a our first live show in a while. And uh, it was just going to be a little private party. But then the uh, restrictions got put in place and the party and. Unfortunately, got canceled, and then um, we they were to change that to a live stream instead. But the downside is uh, I've had COVID cases come up in 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 my neighborhood, mm. uh, in my apartment complex, and there were four confirmed cases. And one of the one of the musicians was about to go and visit her father, who's a little older. So just out of you know, just extra precautions and safety. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to work with them in the room that time. So I wasn't able to mix it, but I still like kind of help them out from afar. Like I tuned in and I'm like, Hey, make sure you turn up the the bass a little bit here and turn this down. And okay, so, it sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> just like over zoom chat and making sure that they're okay. Um, so I, I just kind of like offered some advice there, but I, unfortunately, I'm not doing as much as I would like. And also, just from a person who's addicted to work, going from 18 hours a day every day and only having like maybe two or three days off a month, like it's really it, it, it it's a really tough experience for me to just suddenly not have that anymore, and I miss it very, very much.
0: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I mean, but this has got to be good for like psychologically physically renewing yourself i mean sure. going that much and that often is definitely i mean it definitely takes a toll on a person like eventually you reach a point where you're like i just need a vacation or i need time to myself i mean yeah so i mean this has got to be good in that regard at least yeah it is. i mean that's a lot
1: yeah i mean it, it it's a mixed bag it's it's both like completely devastatingly depressing where especially initially when this happened I've never had depression that bad like I've had depression before but I've never experienced it in the way that I experienced when covid first hit because I mean especially after South by got canceled I had like just that anger to kind of propel me forward and and help me build this this on, online festival that we were working on and it was just absolute like just defiance of like no this is not happening and I will not let it happen and here's something I can control and I'm going to make something for myself and I'm just going to do it and then uh, more and more restrictions got put on. And it was just like, okay, fine. We can only have 10 people in a room at a time. So how do we do that? Okay, we can only have this many people at a time. Okay, how do we sanitize everything in, be- in between sets? How do we keep everybody safe? Do we offer catering or not? And trying to accommodate all of the restrictions that were being put in place by, by the, uh, the city and the county. And then all of a sudden, they're like, nope, everything's shutting down. Everyone stay home. And it was just like, on the one hand, it was just like, man, this is just, there just too many restrictions to make this event be what I want it to be that, okay, I'd rather just cancel it anyway. And then, it, then the excuse was given of like shelter in place. Okay, well now we kind of have to. So on the one hand, it was like kind of a relief that I wouldn't have to be battling against all these restrictions that would prevent the event from being as good as it could be. But also just, just, def- just, I felt deflated. And then I had, I lost like several days, like I lost days to just having a fog over my head, and I wouldn't remember certain days. And I, yeah, it was it was really difficult. And I mean, and just like you said, it it, it does because I, I was constantly working all the time. I mean, I didn't have time to take care of myself, and it, it and so it, it, it's been kind of a journey to. Allow my body to rest and recover because I did sustain some injuries, um, not from work, just like in general, that were being inflamed from my work. Um, so now I've had the time for my body to heal and recover from them, which I wouldn't have had before. And I sought help. Uh, I sought some. I sought some mental uh, mental health services, and I put myself back into therapy, which I haven't been since I was like very, very young, and that's been incredibly helpful Um, in processing some some trauma that I've gone through that I thought I had worked through, but instead I've thrown myself into my work and I wasn't allowing myself to process it. I was ignoring it instead. And then out of nowhere, it can bubble up. If you do that, it'll just bubble up and you wouldn't be able to stop it. So I sought some help and said, that's been great to have the time to do that work. And then I've been I, I've been finding little outlets for my creative energy. Like I've been redecorating my apartment uh, <laughs> and uh, changing everything up. Cause a lot of what I have, like this was my first apartment by myself. So I, um, and I had a lot of gifts from, from friends and family that were just like, like they were all really good things, but they didn't go together and they weren't necessarily like me. They served, they served a purpose for like two years. And it's like, well now I just want it to be mine. So I, I, just revamped a lot of everything. And that's an ongoing process of figuring out how to design a space for myself because I am a nester and I like to have like that little healing space where I come home from a really busy day and it's like serene and quiet and whatever. And just like a a space that I want to be in. Yeah. So I've been doing that. And then I've been, I, interestingly enough, I've gotten a lot of new friendships from this experience because we're all so freaking busy all the time that we can't we don't have time to talk or hang out yeah and now it's all we got is time it may not be in person but i i am connecting with people like tori and i have gotten really close danny and i have gotten close i have new friends just all over the industry and i got involved with the uh, signal to noise guys and i uh, was on their podcast a few times and they've become my friends and it's it's kind of amazing just like the connections have come out of it um it because we finally have the time to bond we are able to and we have been and that's been a really beautiful experience and i i in just i've gotten so much closer with other women in my industry that i mean i was already close with them but now it's like i'm like we can't we have a group text that's like super active you know yeah and so that's been really nice um and my boyfriend and i finally have time together my boyfriend's in the industry too in both of us, like our life is our work. So now we have time for ourselves and then we have time for each other. And I like to think that we've gotten closer through that experience too. And so like, it's, it, it's a time of like loss and pain in mourning and grief, but it's also a time of healing and remembering that, yeah, I'm a front of house engineer and a monitor engineer and production manager. And I have a lot of goals and I'm a very goal driven person. That's very like ambitious. But I'm also smart, and I'm also kind and adaptive, and I like to cook, and I like to take care of plants. And, you know, I have other interests, and there's more to me than just that that I, weirdly, I had forgotten those those parts of myself or just ignored them. So it's been kind of nice to rediscover that I'm not to To remember my identity, because my identity is so wrapped up in my job, which I love so much. And because of the environment, you're it's it's easy to just get wrapped up in it completely. And sad and and it's the the industry has suffered a lot of losses to suicide from people who, like that is this is everything that they are. This is everything that they do. And then on top of that, they have some mental health issues that they were unable to get the appropriate help for. And they, they had, because of COVID, um, they lost everything that they are. And so unfortunately they, um, you know, they, they took their own lives and which is incredibly, it's, it's a big loss for the industry and it's a big loss for their families. And it's easy to get lost in this, in, in this work. So it's been nice to kind of remember that there's me too, underneath all of it there's there's a me so it's a journey
0: yeah it's a journey yeah I'm with you on the redecorating except I did projects I was like I'm gonna make sound panels yeah I did and then I hung them up and I was Mm -hmm. like yeah panels and then it was I'm gonna paint tables because I have Mm -hmm. random tables that I've gotten Mm -hmm. none of them match and so I was like I'm gonna paint them all the same color and then it was I'm going to design my website. Yeah. And then it was, I'm going to do, and it was like, uh, okay. Like, but at the same time, I had to remember, I made a goal list is what I ended up doing. Cause I was like, cause I was with you. I was, I remember I spent about two and a half weeks, like laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling and not knowing anything. I just slept days away. I was antsy, but I had nothing to do. And since I had lost my job before everyone else did, because substitute teaching also went out the window when South By was canceled. So when South By was canceled, then school got canceled like the next following week. And they were like, don't come back from spring break, Um, because we're not doing anything. And so I was like, okay, I don't have any money. I don't have anything. What do I, what do I do with myself? And I didn't know. And I remember just like talking to my mom on the phone and my aunt, because they're like my lifelines and being just lost in the fog of it all and and trying to figure it out. And eventually I ended up making a goal list and trying to figure out what I wanted out of life. And not just in the immediate future, but in like, the long term. And I don't tend to be a super long term or like I have long term goals. Like I'm like, that could happen eventually at some point in the future. Then that would be great. But it's never like within like a specific time frame. Like in five years, this needs to happen. In three years, this needs to happen. It's never been like that. It's always like, sure, this could happen in the ambiguous future. And I realized uh for myself at least that this was a time for me to actually put structure to it. I've always thrived in structure. It's why I love math so much because math is yes. heavily structured and I've like obsessed with math because I mean I'm not like the best math person ever which is kind of weird when you have a degree in it but <laughs> cuz that math is different but anyways uh, I have it and I and I and I loved it and I and I realized that I needed to start applying structure to like my goals and my life instead of it just being I want to be a sound engineer. I want to be a live sound engineer. I want to do these things. Okay, well how do I put that in a time frame so I can check myself? Sure. And so that's the positive spin that I've taken away from the corona has been let's make specific goals let's place them somewhere and then regularly look at them. i started going through journals that i have randomly because i was cleaning out closets and stuff because i don't like clutter clutter stresses me out i've never been a cluttered person and so i start throwing stuff away the second it makes me feel claustrophobic and so um i got to the point where i was like okay Throwing all this stuff out, but let's read. Like, let's go through some of it. And I have like these random lists that I just randomly would make in like journals about things that I wanted to do. Now they always all basically said the same things. Sure. So I was like, oh, at least I'm on the same path as like Great. past Angela, mm-hmm. <laughs> like present mm-hmm. Angela is still there. That's awesome. But I didn't have any real structure to it, and so. I get the whole. I get everything that you just said, and I'm with you. And my way of of dealing with it has been making myself have goals because goals are important.
1: (laughs) Goals are important. They, yeah, for me. I mean, I'm definitely a goals oriented person, and for me, it was less of like just because after like when when I first started getting into this industry, I was a very structured person as well, and I was very much like I I have to do this thing by this time. And otherwise, it failed. And I would make a plan, and then things would change. And it's like, okay, well, that plan doesn't apply anymore. Shit. Okay, new plan. And I would make a plan, and then things would change, and that plan wouldn't work anymore. So for for me, that that approach ended up not being the best solution. So what what worked for me was uh, less of tangible things, of like specific milestones. Of I will be the front of the house engineer for a big pop act by the time I'm thirty. Instead, it's more like, okay, well, in 10 years, I would like to feel fulfilled by my work. I would like to be working with people that make me happy. I would like to have my family be healthy and happy. Uh, Financially, I want to be this way. Uh, And making it more Mm -hmm. emotion-based. I mean, I'm also just... I'm a cancer, okay? I'm a double cancer with a Leo rising. So I'm all about the feelings. So... (laughs) Um, just have, <laughs> but having it, that ends up being more, less of like restrictive, you know, because like, because in going back to what we were saying about the menu, you know, you will have to try everything. So, cause something, your interest may change or an opportunity may come up that you didn't expect. So, but if it doesn't go in line with your plan, then what do you do? So for me, it ended up being like, okay, well, I want to feel this way in 10 years and I, and I want my life to look like this. In in Mm -hmm. and be fulfilled and and all of that, and that leaves the door open for okay. Well, I could be fulfilled by doing something completely wildly different than what I'm doing right now, but as long as it makes me happy, that's really what works. And if if I'm able to financially be in the spot that I want to be in, then that then great. It didn't matter like didn't matter how I got there. I mean, and and that's kind of like you know the journey is great, but you know having that angle in mind is like okay, then you're building your future and you have that that picture in your head of like okay however i get there i'm going to get there but that's what i want it to look like so that that's that's what worked for me
0: yeah i i definitely still have that mindset for sure and it's been sure. it's been a great mindset um it's definitely been uh it's what led me to bass ironically enough because i didn't i didn't envision myself ending up there i was kind of like oh no that's that, that's not quite where i wanted to be yet not yet but just like i just wasn't sure that that's where i wanted to be in general and then i ended up there and i was like mm. yeah okay i don't know what you're talking about Tandela. that's crazy <laughs> like, and that's how i ended up with this podcast i never thought i'd be a podcaster right i didn't right. wake up one day being like oh gee podcasting <laughs> i totally stumbled <laughs> upon. That. oh gee golly do you curse? that's what i want to do I'm going to be a podcaster. (laughs) My, (laughs) I didn't. I really didn't. And I was just like, and I remember I had a teacher who was like, Mm Tanja, you know, you should start a podcast. And then I had random people who kept saying things like, Tangela, you'd be really great on a podcast. Like one day I was at Mugshots. Good old Mugshots. Love Mugshots, by the way. Uh, Probably my favorite bars in Austin. A friend of mine and I were there and she had never seen the movie Speed. You remember that movie? No, I don't. With, um, it had Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Ooh, okay. It. And it's the movie about how they had a terrorist who planted a bomb on the bus. And so she wasn't allowed to slow down to, like, lower than a certain speed or else the bomb would go off. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, an FBI agent rushing the same day. Wait, wait, she had never seen the movie. So I just was giving her commentary while we were having a regular conversation with her, me, and the bartender, because there's not, there wasn't that many people in the bar at the time. And so we're, the three of us are talking, and she's like, wait, what's happening in the movie now? And then I'd give her, like, this, like, random snapshot version of a summary as things progressed. And this, this, this couple, they had heard us, heard me giving her this thing and they come over to me and they're like, do you have like a podcast where you like do summaries for movies or something? Cause this was like super <laughs> entertaining. And I was like, oh, no random people who I didn't even know was over there. Uh, like, And it just, and it was, it was like the scene that, that, that kept implanting in my mind that kept coming up. People were like, podcasting, podcasting, podcasting. And then next thing you know, I was like, all right, podcasting. Sure, so like, why not? Let's
1: try it. Let's see what
0: happens. Let's let's see what we do. And so then I was like, first
1: thing that happens is no one listens to it. But what if people do listen to it? What if people do like it? Then great,
0: you've created basically. Like yeah, basically that's kind of what I ended up at. Because I mean, my first podcast did not go very well. It was basically a radio show. Um, so you can't really transform those to being the same thing because that does not work the same um and i learned that lesson the hard way especially when it came to music copyright Mm -hmm. laws (laughs) those are so much fun oh those are delightful (laughs) okay and so i was like change of plans we're not doing that anymore (laughs) then i landed on this women in audio thing and and it's been great but it's definitely not something that i like if you would have asked me five years ago are you gonna do Podcasting? I'd be like, yeah, no. Podcasting? Yeah, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I don't even know what that is. What is podcasting, by the way? <laughs> like, you know. And so, so yeah, I definitely think being open is has been very um, helpful. It's been very um, enlightening. It's it's led me on paths that I wouldn't have necessarily gone. Um, but when I think of timing though I think it's I think of it more as a feeling like what you were saying but I also think of it more as like when I look at my life are the branches of me still thriving Mm. so it's more of a picture I mean it's the same thing as a feeling but it's just think of it as a picture in my mind it's always a picture and it's usually trees and they're not normal color trees yeah they're very abstract I feel like sometimes like uh, I should have been an artist in another life because like My mental images for things are super random. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It's like a tree, but it's not like green. It's like Mm -hmm. purples and blues and yellows. And it's like my tree of life and stuff. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. I love it. Um, But anyways, uh, so what do you... Where was I? I don't know. Where are you? How did you get here? I had a list. Is that your lovely house? And then I lost myself on my list. Is that your beautiful wife? Uh, We, we... (laughs) Well, we just deviated from like my questions, which was great. I was, I'm okay with that in all the ways. I, I always just like to use questions as like a guide. It's not meant to be like the end result. And so then I'm like, okay, well that's ended. So what's next (laughs) through all of this? How do you feel like being a woman has really impacted you? Um, in audio, I know that like being one like the only one is weighty. I definitely feel that way as like sure. being a woman of color. Like it's like a double whammy. Cause you're like, yeah. you're the only woman, but also you're usually the only black person. <laughs> and so there's always um, that feeling of, I don't want to say isolation. It's not the right word, um, but being a solo individual, like that's your, like you're kind of solo in that. Um, so how has that been for you and how do you handle it?
1: Uh, I mean, I've been turned down for jobs specifically because of my gender before, where they literally told me, literally, literally told me like, so story time, a friend of mine who was who my age, male engineer, tour manager, he was working for a country artist. He hit me up and he's like, Hey, so I'm thinking of leaving this band. I'm going to go join another one. Do you know anybody who'd be interested in possibly taking my job? Like, They need to be young and willing to learn. I'm like, well, I'm young and willing to learn how about me? I'll do it. He's like, all right, sweet. Well, I'll I'll let them know. And, and I said, okay, cool. Let, you know, let me know what they think. And if they want to call me, please do. So he gets back to me a few hours later. He's like, so, um, unfortunately he said no. And I'm like, oh, all right, cool. Well, uh, why (laughs) just, you know, just, just curious why? Uh, and he thankfully was very honest and he said, well, uh, the artist said that he is not comfortable having a woman running their sound and being in their production. And he's not too, he's not too keen on stopping the locker room talk were his words. And uh, there was some concern about hotel rooms and what would the wife think? And it's like, first off, if you've got problems with your wife, that your wife is not going to trust you you to have a female engineer for your your band that's that's your problem that's between you two and there's some trust issues there and y'all should probably get yourself into couples therapy or something i don't know like there's a communication issue there uh and that's not my problem and uh because i happen to be a young white female you're expecting me to just like what want to sleep with the band like, no, I'm a professional. Like, I'm out fucking work. Why would I do that? Like, and also you, what makes you think I would want to sleep with you anyway? Uh, just because you're like a country singer, like, come on, get down from there. Uh, <laughs> uh and, and so and like there there was just there was a lot of that. And so just and um and I said, Oh, okay, well, thank you for letting me know. I understand. And at first it was like, all right, cool, whatever. And that was the first time that I had been turned down for a job because I'm a girl. And I I ended up turning to the the Sound Girls forum for support. I'm like, hey, this happened and I feel weird. But I don't know. Like I just it feels weird. <laughs> and they said, you know what, it's okay to feel weird. And honestly, you can feel angry about it because this this forty year old man is acting like a middle school child. And and honestly, if he's he's not hiring you because you're a woman and he doesn't want to like he's not keen on stopping the locker room talk and he's concerned about paying for an extra hotel room when it's a tax write-off anyway. Uh, It's, you know what, it's not a gig that you want. And it's like, you know what, yeah, you're right. That's that's true and you know there will be other ones that come down the road and so it ended up being it ended up being for the best and the interesting thing is uh the drum like i was friends with with the guy's backing band like they were all like, good friends of mine and the drummer mm. took me out for a beer one day he's like hey so i just wanted to talk to you real quick if you want this job i will talk to him and i will convince him that you are the right person i'm like nah dude like i was told why i didn't get the job i don't want to work for somebody like that so and that was kind of interesting that he's he's reached out to me and he said like, Hey, I will make this happen if you really want it. And it's like, man, are you really that desperate? Uh, but also like, and I appreciated him like, like being willing to go the extra mile for me. And I really appreciated it, but you know, it's just, you know, I don't want to work for somebody who's like that, you know? And cause I mean, I certainly would have put up with it. <laughs> so, you know, and just like, yeah. I don't want to be around that. And then, um, just for sure, uh, being the only woman in the room, uh, it's, I've been very, very lucky that the majority of the men that I work with are they were raised by women and or they're just they're just solid people. They're just solid people that are are caring and kind and supportive and, you know, are they're they're feminists and they saw me as their equal. Um, So I've had a very good support network of males around me and I've been fortunate in my crews that even if I'm the only female, I still have them and and they they back me up and i mean there have been several times where in my venues like the artists will come in and treat me terribly (laughs) um or they'll make a pass at me and um you know they'll they'll think that because i'm a nice and an open person that you know oh i i they must be wanting me or i'm I'm gonna you know give them an experience or i don't know like just whatever it is i i call it a teacher boner where they they want to teach you things and it's like nah dude i already know what i'm doing but thanks And also that's really weird, but so it's, you know, my guys have my back and I mean, I've had, it's less my colleagues and which I've been very fortunate in that, uh, and more of my customer base. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I I can tell you that like when I was working at a rental house that after I loaded someone's truck for them by myself, they would waste 10 minutes of my time because I would time them, uh, To tell me that I do not embody the ideals of femininity. And here's what I should be doing instead.
0: Wait, what?
1: I don't embody their ideal of femininity. So, for example, uh, some guy told me, like, you know, you shouldn't be doing this kind of work, even though I just loaded his truck for him and he didn't even try to help me. (laughs) Like, bro, come on. Like, you know, like, you shouldn't be, your body isn't built for this work. You should be taking care of yourself. And I'm like, man, you know what? The way I see it, uh, even though it's physical work, I'm exercising and I'm getting stronger every day. And when I'm 82, I will not have to use a walker. So this is actually really healthy. (laughs) And kindly walk yourself out and I will see you later. Um, And then I've had like, like older customers would be like, I would be carrying like a, a large you a piece of equipment. They're like, why don't you get one of these ugly dudes to do your work for you? You're too pretty to do this work. And I'm like, you know what? First off, these men are beautiful and fuck you. And also like, they're gorgeous. Okay. And then also like, if I can do it myself, why would I need somebody else to do it for me? And and so I would try to just be like, really practical about it. And I mean, and then there's oftentimes where like, just like a woman doing the physical work is really uh, emasculating. So they after that would happen they would try to find way oftentimes they would try to find ways to remasculate themselves by demeaning me by calling me sweetie honey where they wouldn't address me that way before until I did the work and then it was, all of a sudden you know they would be making these like very slight little language changes and you know it can be isolating at times and uh, I generally have a slow fuse but after a while it does kind of build up and I remember like, Uh, I've had I mean (laughs) I've had like like things at at shows would go wrong that were beyond my control and then the you know tour engineer or playback tech would come over to me he's like so I know exactly what happened I'm like oh do you tell me because I'm sure you know and he would tell me exactly the opposite of what happened and I'm like yeah that's cool thanks bud I don't give a shit that you won 12 Grammys like clearly you don't know like I mean I mean uh it's, you kind of just take it as it comes. I mean, if you get a sexist comment, take it head on if you can. Like if it, I mean, sometimes like it can come as a shock initially. And like you, so for me, like when I first started experiencing it, I would just be kind of surprised that someone was even addressing me that way or talking to me in that, that manner. And then unfortunately though, you do get a lot of practice and a lot of opportunities to, to, to develop some comebacks. And it's unfortunate that that's how it is, but you know, you, you do learn how to, take care of it head on and honestly the best way to do is just nip it in the bud right then and just be very firm and professional and like kind of coldly you can still be yourself but the minute that behavior happens it's kind of like a child you know like the child doesn't know that they're doing something wrong necessarily so as soon as they do something wrong you take care of it right then and there not let it linger and just and thankfully the industry is getting more and more progressive that Oftentimes it's just people who don't know any better. But then you get the old men that will just like, just kind of drool into their headset while you're trying to hear cues and just like whisper gross bullshit at you while you're trying to hear your cues and do your fucking job. And then they're telling you that you're so pretty and calling you sweetheart and honey. And it's just like, man, come on. Gross.
0: Yeah.
1: Like I'm trying to do my job. So I would, what I do is when I do encounter it, I tell my male counterparts about it. Like, Hey, just so you know, this guy said this to me earlier, and this guy did this to me. And it's not le- not necessarily that I want them to do anything because it, it's usually after the fact, so they can't do anything about it. But I just want them to know that it happens and just be aware. And you know, male friends, if you're listening to this, keep your eyes open and your ears open, and look out for your female co- colleagues because we're coming. <laughs> we're we're filling out. We're, our numbers are growing. And we're going to need you to it's up to you to be our allies here and to speak up because oftentimes like, I mean, as a woman, I can defend myself as much as possible. But at the end of the day, my voice is not going to be as powerful towards it as a man's voice. And that's super stupid and unfortunate, but that's what how it is. You know, sometimes you just need a man to, to tell another man to fuck off and excuse my language, but that's how it is. Yeah. So and it's just you just kind of have to deal with it and if you have a means of repercussion by going to their boss or your boss and making a formal complaint awesome if you have a union that you're a part of and you're able to go to the higher ups in your union to report it so that they can pursue the proper action good and you know don't it, it can be very scary especially in more isolating parts the world where if, if you haven't, if you are the only woman in your entire like county, perhaps, or your entire town that is running sound or lights or doing production in any capacity, um, if you don't have anybody to talk to or support you, that can be really hard which is why organizations like Soundgirls are so important and why I am such a huge advocate for soundgirls.org we have a lot of resources for sexual harassment in the workplace and we like if you reach out to us we'll we'll support you while you pursue like if you are being harassed at work we'll support you while you are going through that process and we'll provide support and guidance for it and it's it's a really scary and isolating place to be in but it does happen in yeah <laughs> Hopefully I answered your question.
0: Uh, you did. I I have two things. First off, second, this has nothing to do with anything, but it does, but not really. Um, is there a Sound Girls chapter in DFW?
1: Uh, so unfortunately, there's not a specific DFW chapter at this time. We do have a couple members that are based in Dallas, but sadly not enough members to have their own independent chapter. So they're kind of part of the Austin chapter. And we, we sort of have like three that operate continuously within within texas we have houston that's run by jet pinkerton and they're doing an amazing job with that chapter then there's austin and then uh and the two of us split off from the original texas chapter which was run by uh by a woman based in houston and then eventually our we we grew to the point where uh Carrie Kyes felt it was better to just split us apart, so we have two individual chapters while also having the Texas chapter at the same time. So uh, Austin has kind of absorbed Dallas at this time, and then hopefully Dallas will grow and they can create their own chapter. But uh, for now, they're just part of Austin.
0: Gotcha. And the second thing: let's say that you know somebody was being uh, talked down to. Like, let's just give like an example. Okay, how would you respond to this? Okay, we're gonna role play now. Do it. Let's do it. Cause I feel like a lot of times people talk about these things and they're like, yeah, you got to be a firm, but this, but then you're like, and what do you, do? you actually?" Do? yeah. Okay. But how do you like, what are some of the ways that you actually do that? Right.
1: What's the script that you have? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So let's say um, I was a dude and we were coming in and we were pushing boxes together and uh, they come in and they say something like, Hey sweetie, have you seen the sound engineer, the front of house engineer? And let's say you are the front of house engineer. How would you respond to that?
1: Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Willa. I'm your front of house engineer. And then just look at them.
0: Like that?
1: Yeah. So,
0: okay. And <laughs> Just look at them.
1: A friend of mine, She uh, she's a touring front of house engineer. She's been uh, in the business for like 40 years. Uh, she's she's at the A-level and she's touring. She still gets that. And uh, she's one of the only women on the crew. And uh, they're, so she and the merch person are the only... Females and the rest, uh, like the monitor engineer, the guitar tech, like those are all male. And she's the front of house engineer. And they actually kind of make it a game to see how long it takes them to realize that she's not the merch girl. <laughs> but, uh, and and like they will go up to the monitor engineer who l- literally introduce. Like they will they make it a game, you know. And like they they all introduce themselves. Uh, like the crew, the house crew will go up to all the men first, and before they realize that you know my friend is there like that's the engineer and more often than not like they'll be like oh shit sorry but still they didn't realize like cuz it i mean and from for me like it's and there's a there's a lot of just like there's a there's a few different approaches but it's just like like honestly um i tried to just like nip it out, out of the bud like for for my clubs when the artist comes in i go straight up to them and there's no mistake I am very confident. I stand up straight. I reach out my hand and say, Hey, nice to meet you. Welcome to my house. I'm Willa. I am your house audio engineer for the day. How can I help you? Welcome. And like that, just like that's who I am. No ifs, ands, or buts. You know, this is who you're working with. So they don't, there's no guesswork. And it's just like, so that kind of removes it from from the script. And or, or, you know, if I'm at Bass and, and they're like, All right, audio crew. You know, department heads, come on over. I, I immediately like make sure to step forward. And sometimes I, I end up like, it depends on like the energy, but weirdly, I'll, I'll lower my voice a little bit. And just, it's like an ego thing, but like, and so, hi, I'm Willa. Hi, I'm Willa, you know, just like kind of like guttural and grounded, just to like make me feel it's more for me. It's a power move.
0: So actually that there's, there was a Ted talk about that. Actually. Fun fact. I watch a lot of Ted talks um, <laughs> about communication styles. And one of the things that I saw in one of the Ted talks, I couldn't tell you which one it was, but it was about communication. The lady was talking about one of the things about communication is where your voice is. And so if one of the reasons why men <laughs> or people in general don't like women's voices it's because of where they fall in the frequency spectrum and so they were they were saying that there's something about having a higher pitch voice and having it be more airy that implies subconsciously to people that you are fragile or weak or um now how much of that is social
1: conditioning versus scientific facts i got to ask
0: Hey, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I Mm -hmm. I thought the same thing because I was like, how much is that is really accurate. But she did make the point to say that people do take women more seriously when they do the whole voice drop thing and that there is something to be said for doing it in a way that's natural, but that doesn't sound like you're intentionally trying to be like, hey, hey, how are you doing? How's it going? Yeah. Like, don't do that. But if there's like, (laughs) like there is something about it. It's also the same way where there has been, um, whether you want to call it science or social conditioning, when people order things at restaurants and you need them to fix it right there's something to be said for if you say it in a way that sounds like hey i'm really sorry but this isn't right really offensive clearly not attacking yeah yeah i'm Mm -hmm. not trying to tell you you're wrong, but, and if you talk in that way, then people are more receptive to fix whatever your problem is. And whenever you want to like stand up and be like, no, this is me. Here I am mm-hmm. having that voice. Just a
1: little bit, like speaking, just a little bit speaking from your diaphragm, as opposed to f- from your throat for, for those that are vocalists that are listening, like speak from your diaphragm Yeah, and um, just being very clear, uh, removing any vocal fry from your voice when you're introducing yourself practicing on having your inflection go down instead of up at the end of your sentence. That's also another one. And it's exhausting to do that much social manipulation on the job, but you have to, to survive. Um, Especially in the South where like, you know, there's a lot of men and then there's like that, that ideal of how women should be um, and how they should behave. So you're socially manipulating them to think that uh, to accept you and to prove your place and to enforce your dominance, but also like, you know, it, to protect yourself at the same time. And it, it's, it's an issue that, that there's a, a lot of different ways that, um, that you can take this and interpret it. I would say like, I mean, I haven't been in the industry super long and I've only toured like certain parts, like, I toured rural parts of the Midwest. Uh, I haven't gone everywhere yet. So I am only speaking from my lens of my experience and, you know, take everything that I say with a grain of salt. I, could, I, I I, hope I'm completely wrong about all of this. But just from like from my experience, it's like it's a defense mechanism. And sometimes you have to recognize like, for me, I end up trying to like t- figure out what role they expect me to be in. And depending on what I'm doing that day, uh, I either take a weird twisted pleasure in forcing them to figure out, oh, she doesn't fit that role and i'm just going to like blow your fucking little pea brain mind right now and be like yeah no a woman can do this job motherfucker and it's like ha ha <laughs> you know it's like Ha-ha. it's a weird like dominance thing or you know just like uh or to, or being in that sort of like southern Bale kind of like demua thing like i don't know like just and and manipulating that to get them to do what i need them to do you know some and like and I would have to do that with, with certain stagehands that I was like, I needed them to do something for me. And Hey, Hey y'all, how you doing today? Great. Can, can y'all just like move this box? That's great. Thank you so much. And like, I don't know, figuring out and it's social manipulation, which is so funny. Cause you're from California. <laughs> like, oh, I'm totally from California, man. <laughs> I'm from Northern California. <laughs> like <laughs> Nobody talks uh, like that. Up there. No, but like, I, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> but you know, it's just like, it's, uh, it, you, just, you just learn you just learn like what what role people expect you to be in and you can like either take a weird twisted pleasure and breaking them away from that role or like finding a way to work with that role and, and turn it to your advantage I like working with older country artists a lot you know i'll be running their sound and oftentimes especially for older men they've never seen a woman run sound before ever or you know if they're if they're visiting from south america like oh women don't run sound in our country like so this is kind of neat and so it's it, it it can you know it's a mixed bag and you know especially and especially when you come from the south come from the north coming to the south for the first time you, you don't really realize how ingrained sir ma'am like gender roles are so they're going to refer to you like as darling sweetheart and you know and honey and like oftentimes it, 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 it you kind of have to read the room but oftentimes they don't mean anything by it they're just old and stuck in their ways and don't know any better so like that's just the world that they grew up in so you have to learn to be like and and so and like, if you're like for me if i'm in a mood and i don't really want to hear it that day I'll, I'll call them honey or sweetheart and usually that like makes them feel uncomfortable enough that they'll stop or like i'll just like if they they call me honey and i don't want to be called honey i'll be like hey sugar puss <laughs> and or just something like completely gross and weird and then they it's like oh yeah yeah you see how un- uncomfortable and weird that is yeah don't do it and so anyway um and that usually helps but like i mean so it, it's kind of like it, it's hard sometimes to figure out what actually is an attack and what is just n- someone not knowing any better and so like if i'm working with an older male country artist like, kind of drawing on that uh, that image, like, older country artists coming from East Texas, for example. Like, I'll draw on that Southern Bell image and be like, and bring work that into my vernacular while also being, like, clearly being the person that's managing the stage and running the sound. So, it, it's like taking pieces and putting it into your personality for a moment and just wearing a mask and using it to survive. Yeah.
0: So, you're like a chameleon.
1: A little bit. A little bit like, yeah. and I I don't mean to be dishonest because it, it is all me. It really is. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, this is what you expect from me. So if I need you to do something, I'm going to figure out what tools I need to use to get you to do the thing.
0: I don't think it's being dishonest, though. I think it's only dishonest if you lie about it. Sure. I think there's I think that that's like the defining factor, I think, in my mind. I think being able to adapt is part of the gig and so if that's what you need to adapt and that's what you need to adapt i don't think that's necessarily considered oh, bad oh, you know, just <laughs> good as a personal personal uh opinion there um so okay so with all of that what do you think one of the most common misconceptions Um, is about audio, whether it was something that you had or that you see people who come into audio having.
1: Let me make sure I understand your question. So like, what is something that about audio that I didn't understand before coming in? Or what? I'm I'm not sure I understand what you're asking.
0: Okay. Uh, So, for example, when I first started getting into audio, I thought it was going to be a, you said everything, and then you just walk away because I was of the experience where that was the case because the person on stage was doing audio before they taught me how to do it. So that experience was literally you said it, you walk away. So I thought in my mind that that's how it was going to be on like a higher level. I learned very quickly that that is not the case. Um, But I've also had other people who come in and they have different misconceptions. Um, Whether uh, like people who are trying to come up as audio engineers, they'll come in with this idea like I had somebody say to me that, that you didn't have to know what all of the buttons do on the soundboard Mm -hmm. to be a good sound engineer and you're like wait what like it's something that made you like pause and you're like that that's not accurate so either from your perspective or from something that you've seen from up-and-coming engineers what's a misconception that Uh, you've seen
1: well speaking to your comment about like not knowing what all the buttons do i mean yes and no no because you need to have a full understanding of all of the like for especially for a digital console. You need to have an understanding of the language and what all like what all goes into processing audio. So starting from your gain structure, uh, yeah, from your trim pot, and then moving down towards compression and gating, and then how you use your EQ in different ways that that works, and then bus processing, group uh, compression, parallel compression. And then, how do you uh, avoid double bussing? What double bussing is? And then, from there, how do you mix in, you know, <laughs> effects? How do you use those? And then, how do you get all of these elements of individual instruments? Um, where what button does the thing that you need it to do? So, right. And then, each console has a slightly different language and puts things in different places. So, to be a good sound engineer. No, you don't necessarily need to know what all the buttons do, but you do need to know what all the things do. If that makes sense, like you need to have an an understanding of what all goes into processing within the box. And then, if you go, if you're going analog, if you are using outboard gear, how does like you need to understand signal flow and how it works and how everything that you do affects uh, affects a relationship, whether it's in phase or time, and that's a whole thing unto itself. And then, how does it? How does the human ear? And personal experience affect the way something sounds. How does a room affect the way that something sounds? Different manufacturers of speakers, um, monitors versus in ears, um, you know, all of that affects sound, all of it. And so you need to understand what all of those things do. And you know, you can be a really good sound engineer walking up to a desk that you don't really know. Like you're, you're a good engineer. You're just working with a desk, a tool that you don't understand, necessarily, or you, you that you can't, or a book that you don't that's written in a different language or uh, a, a different dialect than you're accustomed to speaking. So that that's, so that that's kind of a yes, no
0: right there. Um, right. That was sort of my feeling with that too. I was like, I was like, I paused and I was like, how do I respond to that? Cause yeah. technically they're yeah. not wrong, but technically they're not right. Like that's, Really a pause moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one can take that and and look at it as mixing with one's eyes instead of your ears. And that's a big problem. That's something that I see for, for younger engineers. And a lot of that comes down to just proper education. And I mean, I went to a school that taught me to use my ears. And so I I, I benefit from, from really excellent education and teachers. Uh, and I'm very lucky in that sense. But especially with uh, the advent of digital technology, people tend to mix with their eyes. If they don't know any better, they rely on what the user interface is doing um, and what they're seeing on the screen of the console instead of using their ears to know like what's happening. And one example that I, I can tell, like oftentimes, what you see on the screen is not what's happening in in the actual field of sound. It can it can be an example an approximation, but it won't be what's happening. And one example I can give you is uh, in, I think, uh, so the technical editor for Sound International Magazine, who's also a technical writer, his name is Michael Lawrence. He works for Rational Acoustics, and he does a lot of really great articles on measurement. And he has measured various consoles in their EQs. And I don't remember specifically which one we were talking about at the time, but he, I think he was comparing different consoles on the parametric EQ Oh, and that's another thing you need to understand is the difference between parametric and graphic EQ. That's a whole other thing unto itself. But anyway, um, he decided to see... Okay, the screen tells me that the bell curve is doing this and it's uh, and I am depreciating it this much. And so that is what I'm seeing on the screen. Is that really what it's doing? And he ran, the, ran it through Smart and Smart gave him the, re- the, the results, like an actual visual of no actually it's doing this instead it's a much wider curve than it's showing you and it's actually like instead of like on a graphic eq when you expect it to just be a notch like on that one frequency it's actually affecting 12 other frequencies that are right there and it's a lot wider than you expect it to be and it's not reducing as much as you think or it is more it, uh or it's narrower than you think it is so it so really like your eyes like looking at the screen and hearing it in your the world very different and so that that's a misconception i see a lot is people like relying on their eyes to mix in or like another example is distortion like so you you see all the blinky red lights on your preamps and that can be very scary uh and this happens in the studio or on or in live and it's something i like to call the idiot light where like oftentimes you're not clipping, you're not enduring the preamp, you're not clipping it at all because if you listen, there actually isn't any saturation or distortion happening. But you are seeing that light and it's freaking you out. So like for example, with the D Live console from Allen and Heath, you actually want to crank the shit out of those preamps to to make them light up red, and it looks scary. But if you listen, you're not actually creating any damage. But you are you are getting a little saturation, which is kind of a beautiful thing, and that, and that's a tool into itself. So if you use it correctly. So just, just use your ears and, and listen and like your eyes are, are a tool and the GUI, the graphic user interface GUI, um, uh, that is a tool. It's an example. It's an approximation of what you're doing, but it's not necessarily always going to be exact.
0: Wait, so who was the guy that you just said he was with Rational Acoustics?
1: Uh, Michael Lawrence. He's with Rational Acoustics and he's the technical writer and editor for Live Sound International Magazine.
0: I've heard of this magazine. I never could remember it. Write it down. You should
1: subscribe to it, especially being a math person like you are. Um, And actually Rational Acoustics did a quarantine series of their, um, of their smart tour to uh, smart tool. And uh, they have a bunch of trainings that are for free on their YouTube. And uh, they have 90 day trials of all of their smart tools. So
0: you should definitely look into it. Yes, I really, actually, I looked into an internship with them, but I didn't get it, but that's okay. I'm not bitter or anything like that. It's just, it just didn't work out and that's fine. But, um, but yeah, no, I wanted to, they had a class that they were offering at ACC last year, Mm, time frame. Don't quite remember, uh, but (laughs) whenever that was, it was in the more recent past and I wanted to do it, but then I looked at it and I was like, I couldn't really afford it at the time. But I really want to, I want to learn smart so art. badly. And I've yeah. seen those YouTube videos that you're talking about and I love them and I've taken so many notes over them, but I don't have the money to buy the stuff because it's kind of expensive. Uh, hey, what?
1: Hey, what? Guess What? What? You can rent from Rock and Roll Rentals. You can
0: rent Smart from Rock and Roll Rentals. Well, okay,
1: so you you can get the microphones and the interfaces from Rock and Roll Rentals, and then they have free ninety day trials of their software for Russian Acoustics.
0: Did not know that you could rent them from Rock and Roll Rentals. You can't rent. That's a fun fact.
1: You can't rent Smart rigs, but you- no, no, no. I know. Yeah, that's you
0: that's software, but yeah, but you- the hardware. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's like half the battle. <laughs> yeah, you can
1: rent it. Yeah, just rent it or borrow it or reach out to a production company and ask them to just borrow their gear for an afternoon and then just follow the tutorials and mess around. So,
0: yeah. Do you just do that in your apartment, by the way? Do you just like sit in your apartment and like throw stuff around inside of it?
1: (laughs) Sometimes I do, actually. (laughs) Um, And I was doing that a lot uh, at the beginning of quarantine. I was starting to learn smart a little bit and then I just kind of fell off the bandwagon. Uh, But I do have a console that's currently sitting on my floor uh, because I needed my kitchen table for this. (laughs) And and my kitchen table is small. Um, So I needed needed the space, but I have a console that I will put tracks through and I will practice mixing. And that's another thing that, that you can do. Like there are a lot of resources that are available for free that you can just, you can um, practice mixing. Um, So I do that to keep myself sharp.
0: What kind of board do you have?
1: Uh, Right now I have, I am borrowing an Allen and Heath SQ6. Uh,
0: From the production company or from rock and roll? I'm
1: borrowing it from a production company. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah um somebody told me recently that a lot of production companies are like letting people like sound engineers come in and like oh, yeah. borrow mm-hmm. stuff and like rent stuff or or play with it in their space or whatever as long as you know you absorb surf, observe social distancing and all that sort of stuff so that was that was really really interesting that that's like been a way for them to like help but also like go down that path of trying to to find ways to do different things. I had another question I was going to ask you, but then I didn't write it down, so I forgot. Anyways, <laughs> that's why I always have to write it down, or else I'll just forget, and then I'm like, I don't remember what I was going to say because I never remember in the moment. Earlier, oh, that's what it was. Earlier, you were talking about how being being injured and that your body needed to heal and stuff like that. So how how do you prepare for uh, a gig when they are usually physically active and they require their I mean, you're moving gear. I mean, a Bass, for pushing stuff and that stuff is heavy. And then you go to like one of these venues and you have to set up a whole rig by yourself. Like, how do you prepare to for that um, physicality?
1: Sure. Uh, first step is water. Lots of hydration. <laughs> that, that's like super important more than anything else. I also take supplements. Uh, I take ashwagandha, vitamin C, B12, turmeric, and an allergy pill every day. And there, there are other things like uh, some people swear by CoQ10 and fish oil. You know, do your own research and find what works for you. I, that, I mean, I just have my own little kit that I, I use, and so that that kind of helps boost the immunity and also kind of wake up the brain. And then stretching is incredibly important. So hydration, vitamins, proper nutrition. Uh, I look at it as kind of like a sport. So you, you know that like professional athletes, they need to eat a certain way in order to perform well. Well, that's what we have to do. We have to eat properly so like don't necessarily go for that pizza or that soda go instead for the simple carbs of vegetables and fruits and like those sugars and drink lots of water and maybe a gatorade to get, bring the electrolytes in like understand like you are using your body it is a sport it, it can be considered a sport and food is your fuel and if you don't take care of your body correctly um, if you're not fueling it properly you're not going to perform very well mentally or physically And then, you know, stretching is incredibly important. I have a mobility routine that I I use to kind of keep myself limber. Yoga is a really good good practice as well. And on your off days, make sure you're resting. Um, And if you have multiple days off in a row, make sure you're keeping your physical strength up as much as possible and, you know, just keeping your body limber and able to adapt and, you know, just doing physical therapy. Uh, consistently all the time, and making sure that because it is, it is you have to monitor your fitness, and then also like uh, if you are able to afford health insurance, make sure you're getting check checkups every year. Um, you have health professionals, or if you have the budget for it, see chiropractic care. I also wear uh, knee braces because I I have bad knees, so I wear knee braces, and I've had ankle injuries, so I have and uh, I sprained my ankle over Christmas this year, so I wear an ankle brace too. Um, also dressing appropriately for the gig, wearing protective gear. So I wear long pants and I have composite toe boots, work boots, and I wear insoles for, for arch support because you're on your feet for long periods of time and wear clothing that is breathable that you, you can sweat in and get dirty. If you have the budget for it, I highly recommend getting uh, pants that are uh, tear resistant um, and you know, are able to and make sure like uh in the dressing room, like do lots of moves, do squats and lunges and like try and make sure that the clothing can move with you. So I mean I'm a big fan of like dressing for the day. So if you if you can dress correctly for what you're doing, you can pretty much it's kind of like your armor. You can handle it. Like you I wouldn't necessarily want to wear something super tight and restrictive on a day where I knew I had to climb a bunch of trussing and like hang a bunch of Speakers or whatever, or like crawl around in dirty areas, you know. And you know, I want to make sure my hair's out of my face, and I want to make sure that you know I've got my contacts, in and I'm not necessarily going to wear my glasses that day. So just kind of knowing the environment that you're going to be in, and pr- mentally preparing yourself, and then dressing appropriately, and then it, foundationally just eating correctly, drinking lots of water, and then making sure it, like it is paramount to make the time to to recover. So if you think about like athletes that are are bodybuilders and weightlifters after a really hard workout they're they're going to have a cool down moment. They're going to have like lots of stretching and and in moments to recover, a recovery period. You need to do that too. Otherwise you you risk injuring yourself and then you're going to be out of work. So, yeah, that's that's just important to keep in mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's that's important too. I know I met a lot of people who were like Yeah, I don't really do that. (laughs) And then they're like, my job is my exercise. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying that's a bad mindset. Oh, your job is your exercise. But I know a lot of people say that. And they're like, so I don't have to do all that other stuff. But you do that. But I kind of feel like maybe you should. Like, I've been doing a lot more research on fitness and activity and stuff like that more recently because I used to be a hardcore athlete when I was younger. And I was like all about that life. And then I had knee surgery. And then I was like, yeah, so we're just going to sit over here in the corner for a while. But I've been wanting to be better about that and trying to figure out, you know, um, with myself now at this time and place. This is not the same, you know, 18 year old girl before she had knee surgery, you know, like time has changed and my needs are different. So I've been researching that. And that was one of the things I started asking other engineers that I knew or other people in general, just like, how do you guys feel about fitness? And that's one of the common things that a lot of people kept saying. It's just, they're like, eh, my job is my fitness. I take a lap around the building once and that's it, you know? And and Or they don't do anything at all. And they're just like, uh, fitness, yeah, sit in the chair all day. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah that's my fitness, you know? (laughs) And so, um, but I, I don't know. I kind of been on the, of the mindset that it's been, it's a little bit more important than I think people give it credit for.
1: Oh, very much so. Absolutely. It's, it's incredibly important.
0: So last thing, what advice would you give someone trying to pursue a career in audio?
1: Well, there's a foundation of, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions and, Mm uh, you know, embrace that failure, be open to new experiences and trying new things. Even if you think it's not going to be helpful, it, you know, it just might. So don't be afraid to try it and to learn a new skill because you never know certain things can come up. All the time like we were talking at the beginning of our conversation about financial stuff, that's important. Even though it's not like a dominant trait within our industry, it is important to know, understand, like just be open to learning everything. Ask those questions, learn. There are so many resources on the internet. Uh, in your local libraries there are books, there are YouTube videos there are all kinds of online training courses that you can take there there is so much knowledge out there and don't be afraid to just reach out to people and talk like if you find an article that you really like reach out to to the author and tell them that you liked it and you know if you have a question about it ask them about it you never know you just might get a response and then a new friend and at a show like make sure like if you really like what they're doing you want to you want to meet them and learn more. I mean, wait for an appropriate time, but definitely go up to them and let them know, Hey, I saw you. You did a great job. And I'm curious and ask questions. I mean, we're giant nerds, you know, and what do nerds like? They like to share what they're nerdy about. So we we love to talk about what we do and we love to share what we do. And, you know, we're all passionate and positive about it. So like, you know, don't be afraid to talk to us and say hi or reach out or, you know, go to their website and send them an email, you know, just talk. It's a, it's an industry of relationships. So make the positive ones and also, you know, be professional, you know, and be respectful and just be cool. Don't be mean. Don't be egotistical, be humble and be willing to, to do the hard work and accept that it it is going to be a lot of hard work. You're not going to have easy days. And if you're having an easy day, Something might be broken. (laughs) Something might be wrong, Uh, (laughs) which that's not necessarily true. But, you know, it's 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 a tough it's a tough life, no matter what facet of the industry that you're in. If you're in corporate, uh, if you're in, you know, live music, if you're in a a theater or a club, or if you're in film, you know, podcasting, it's all difficult. And there's so many different ways. Um, You know, don't pigeonhole yourself try try new things. And, you know, there are there's so much to know. There are so many different things you can you can go into installs. The, I guess that's another thing. There are so many different roles and there's so many amazing directions that you can take this path in and just be open to to taking different ones to learn which one is right for you.
0: Well, that's quite a positive way to end things. Thank you so much for for letting me have you on the show. I really appreciate Thank it you for
1: having me. Yeah, this this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Tangela. Thank you. And thank you for doing this podcast. You're doing important work here.
0: I'm glad you think so.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. You're giving us a voice. And that that I am so grateful to you for for doing that work and to giving a platform for other women in this industry and just promoting good things. So thank you for creating this.
0: Thank you. That's very kind.